Hey everyone, it's Sakrit and Brenda, and we're back with another episode of Galab Gang. And today we're here with Sada. Sada is a chef, an artist, and quirky, beautiful, emotional human who makes amazing Spotify playlists. And uh, just a deep feeler, a deep thinker, and ride or die, Capricorn, Scorpio. <laughs> yes. Um, and we're really excited to be interviewing you today. Um, you know, it's been like a lot of back and forth, but we're really excited to have you here and just bask in your presence and pick your brain a little bit today. Thanks for yeah. having me. I'm so to be here. <laughs> Yeah, we're so happy you're here and that we're able to just like deepen and like sit and talk. I feel like it's been a process being able to like create these containers during this time. So I'm really grateful that we're all here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We, I guess with like place and history, um, where were you raised and where do you trace your lineage to? Totally. Um, I was raised in East LA, so East Los Angeles, California, in a city called Monterey Park, which is the first Asian majority city in the United States, um, which is beautiful. And uh, I remember as a kid, I just didn't really appreciate it um, because I mean, you just want to be like everybody else. You want to live in super, I feel like when we're all younger, we want to live in like super white spaces or, or just things that were not... Um, accessible yes yeah, exactly like aspiring to be something rather than understanding the magic of like where you come from and who you are mm-hmm. um so i was born in monterey park uh california to heather body parents um so their lineage or our lineage overall is heather body indian um but then they moved to karachi pakistan after a partition so yeah kind of that mixture complicated identity yeah. no one wants to talk about anything no one, it's really hard to discuss history obviously rightfully so um yeah but a lot to dive into there but yeah that's basically where i'm from east la and Hyderabad, i would say and yeah you speak um urdu or hindi at home urdu yeah, yeah. Have your parents ever talked about going back to India or visiting Hyderabad ever? Uh, anytime I bring it up, it it feels heavy. So yeah. it's like I asked my dad if he'd ever go back. And he just solemnly looks down and shakes his head. Um, and my mom, she's gone back a few times to visit family. So she's more like, oh, if only I could, you know, or I, I want to. Um, or like, no, not much of the family is there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels a bit shaky like uh, my dad is very much on the no my mom is more so like yeah we're getting old so the time has passed but yeah there's a lot of I've asked them questions recently actually of mom if she like regrets moving to the United States mm-hmm. and she said yes wow um, because That's she acknowledgement her, right she misses her networks and her family you know and like feeling that closeness with your neighbors and that community that she feels is lacking for her at this point in her life in Los Angeles. How did they feel when they moved to Monterey Park? Like, as you said, it was the first Asian majority, you know, city in the U.S. And uh, did she feel like in presence of maybe 
some shared backgrounds with folks? Was she able to connect with anyone like in the neighborhoods growing up? How was that like? How did that shape your childhood? Uh, my mom was really interested. Like when it comes to my family's relationship to Monterey Park as a city, uh, they feel safe there. So mm-hmm. like my, they feel the most comfortable. It's quiet. It feels familiar. Um, but it still is lacking that like, you know, Indian presence and that kind of community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of isolated in that way, but they do love the quiet and they do love the smell of garlic and ginger that just kind of permeates the neighborhoods, mm-hmm. which I understand. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel like they're super isolated, but once again, through food, I mean, they love Chinese food. There's a lot of similarities and flavors and spice. Um, and yeah, they're happy there. It's calm. It's mm-hmm. uh, They used to live in New York as well, which they definitely felt more of a community when it came to like Indian folks out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. What were your, <laughs> so, what were some of your formative and favorite memories in the kitchen? My favorite memory, I, there's one actually that comes up always in my head about like the first time I ever made anything um, collaboratively with my grandpa. I remember he was just like really into food. He'd always like, anytime he talked about food, just like beaming smile on his face. And, and he kind of embedded that feeling of food being sustenance in so many ways um, and nourishment. And he taught me how to make kima. So I remember like mm. the first time I ever made kima and like the healthy and all the nice things that go into it. It was like my grandpa just pumped about kima and it's versatility. <laughs> so a really Aww. big one for me is him and me <laughs> making kima. Really chill. Is he still present with you now? Unfortunately, no. He passed away um, a while ago. I want to say it's been 10 years. Mm. Maybe a bit longer. No, it's been like 15 years since he's passed away. Okay. Um, but he's still, I mean... I feel like I carry him with me, especially when I'm cooking and I'm talking about food. Um, I feel him speaking through me in a weird way. Mm. So I don't ever feel like he's gone. Mm-hmm. Like it, it hasn't, I have moments of being like, I'll physically never really encounter him the same way, even in my state, you know, mm-hmm. but I feel him. I know he's around. Did you learn most of your cooking from him or no, was I it shared between different relatives? I learned a lot from my mom and my dad mm-hmm. actually. Um, and also just experimenting on my own. Like, yeah, I love the fire, you know, I love the dance that is cooking um, and the improvisation that is cooking as well, which is why um, I love it so much. But yeah, a lot from my mom and my dad, but also just kind of on my own as a coping mechanism, to be quite honest with you. And like, a way to pour my love and uh, warmth into something that I saw others enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love potlucks. I throw a lot of potlucks. I just love, I love the feast. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that what inspired starting Beery BB then? Like that like collaborative potluck yeah. effort? <laughs> yeah. It was like years of throwing potlucks and being like, hey, I'm making the centerpiece, bring the sides or like, bring a dish that you love and we'll all just have this dinner. Um, and I did it in like a few cities that I lived in. And then in Berlin, it got to a point where I was doing it so much that um, one of my friends at the time was like, why don't you sell your food? And I was like, sell my food. And she's like, why not? And I was like, I've never thought of it that way. You know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of Beery BB sprouted out of that huh moment, but it's a lot bigger than just selling food, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's been interesting 
figuring out the value, right? Of like, or like what is value generally? And, and what's defined is like, uh, like a, like a dinner, like a, you know, how, I don't know. The different formats are really interesting to me of like a dinner or like a concept when it comes to cooking and food sharing. And um, that's been my biggest struggle actually with the reading has been like the price points because I always just want to be accessible rather than like throw these elitist dinner parties, which like mm-hmm. also have their place. And also of course, like there's a reason why you're paying that much because of like, say the source of the food or like paying the farmer forward. And I completely understand that. Um, and I believe in that as well. I think at one point I would love to, to have that price point with those connections at play too, to make sense of it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I also feel like creating an intimate dinner space like that, you know, you also, it's, there's so much like planning that goes into it with like having the right people Mm -hmm. who are really going to honor the food and the process and the conversations that go into that. So I envision like this a really like utopian dinner party for you one day. One day. With all the right people. (laughs) Totally. It's like my my favorite place is a nice long dinner table with just lots of nice conversation, people being sweet to each other. So Mm -hmm. the dream. Yeah, you mentioned that it was like you got into this habit with cooking because it was a coping mechanism for you and Mm -hmm. how has it healed you and like served as a healing force for you? Um, I just really love working with my hands Mm -hmm. and that connection. I just really love working with my hands and smelling everything and and um, everything just feeling so tangible in such a digital world as well. I was speaking to a friend about this yesterday, um, that in a world that feels like we're stuck on screens and clickety-clacking and our thumbs and, you know, always trying to find the next big thing to do, it's nice to just have that meditative moment where you're focused on, like, just cutting okra, you know, or, like, making other lesson. Like, just, like, really... It's really meditative for me now, um, and I feel like it really helps me focus in on what really matters in my life um, and what really fuels me. I don't know. I just, I really do see light when I'm cooking. And, and also when I feel like I've screwed up a dish, for example, there's always room to, to either let it go or make it better. So <laughs> it's been fun to, to deal with crises through like that lens as well. So, yeah. 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 It definitely brings you back into your body mm-hmm. and like, there's just so many sensations that come through cooking with like smell and sound and touch and then obviously eating it afterwards. Yeah, the best, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's definitely very like, um, it's like a nutritious version of artistry. Yeah. Know? It's still art at the end of the day, which is why I can understand like the dilemma of like adding like a price point to it. I feel like a lot of our artist friends also deal with that, you know, mm-hmm. and like food is no different. And you're not just engaging with it in terms of like, you know, intellectual stimuli or what you're, what you're just seeing, but you know, it has all those like tactile uh, forms of interacting with it too. Totally. So yeah, it's, I think food is really important and I'm really happy that that's like something that we've really honed in on, you know? (laughs) 
It's not over yet. <laughs> the journey it's just the is beginning. Done. It's just the beginning. <laughs> it's true. As you're cooking and like choosing dishes and you know, even just going through the motions of it, like how does it connect you back to your culture? And like you did mention feeling your grandpa's spirit in you, you know, what do those experiences look like for you? Whether it's just like knowing the right amounts. I feel like it's weird sometimes, like, um, or just tasting it through. I feel like I don't believe in measurements, which is kind of hilarious because everyone's like, can you send me a recipe? I was like, well, yeah, but ultimately it's your own thing because it's really based on you and where you're at when you're tasting it. Because as we know, like it's really, we do know certain ingredients and everyone's proportions are different based on taste. Um, but I definitely feel like when I'm, I'm putting it all together, I feel all of them like, oh, maybe a bit more of this or like, oh, mm, a little more salty or like more lemon. Like there's certain voices that just happen, even though I'm sure it's like my taste buds and a bunch of other things at play. But um, this almost intuitive knowing, like sometimes I don't understand like how, for example, I made um, I had this pop up at a music festival this past weekend. Brenda actually helped out, which was great. Um, and there was, I made tandoori seitan, which is like one of my signature dishes because it's like the aunties never thought I could do like tandoori vegan anything and have it taste amazing or ve- yeah, or like the soy wheat protein rather. And I know that's not new, but, um, at least my aunties who grew up like super mogul, like meaty cuisine just had no faith in me. And, uh, yeah, I made it without trying it at all. I just like did it, marinated it, brought it to the event. And once we fried it up, they were like, it's perfect. I have to add nothing. I didn't even try it. <laughs> so felt great. And yeah, have your family members tried your, your Thunderbird Saiton then? My mom has. Yeah. Uh, my dad is just skeptical of everything because he's like an 89 year old. So yeah. he has his likes and reservations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's been fixed in his ways. Yeah, hearing you say that reminded me of my sister who also, you know, has a food truck here and like she doesn't measure anything. Like she has trouble giving recipes because it's just that intuitive process. And I also thought about you saying like, it may just be your taste buds, but like we inherit our taste buds, you know, and like it's like genetically coded into us to know like what we need to add and there's so much wisdom in that and it's really nice to hear that you know guiding your food process instead of some sort of like regimented structure right yeah like what is a tablespoon yeah what is a tablespoon you know (laughs) yeah teaspoon tablespoon (laughs) my mom also like doesn't try the meat she makes because she's vegetarian and has been vegetarian her whole life and that perplexed me forever because I'm like how is she making this taste so good and she never eats it wow she just knew she just knows I'm like this is literally magic I love that (laughs) yes (laughs) did she start making like non-veg food like for your dad then or like what I haven't inquired that far back if she was making it for like her siblings or her um, maybe the men who are eating meat, but I know she's been doing it since she was married to my dad before. Mm-hmm. So like her early mid twenties. Yeah. yeah. 
that's hardcore and dedication, <laughs> but also so sick like this intuitive just knowing how to like for example having that love and knowing how to prepare something even if you don't even get to enjoy it mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's, it's interesting mm-hmm. so has your, your mom's seal of approval then Liz Tendere Satan yeah she was shocked for sure she was like how <laughs> how does this taste like meat like how does this taste so good and okay just kind of confused and still a bit like uh, what's a good word? What magic like flabber, is this? Flabbergasted? Flabbergasted. <laughs> Pretty flabbergasted. Um, bamboozled. Bamboozled, yeah. She's, yeah, she's impressed, but she's still very much like, are you sure this is a good idea? You know? Um, and yeah, a lot, I think a lot of stuff comes out from her during like pop-up days. Um, that's really hard to deal with, but I'm not really sure yeah. why it upset her so much that I'm selling food. Hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I understand. I don't actually. I'm trying to say I understand, but I'm working through it. Is it maybe the the like occupation title that comes with that? Like, you know, like being a chef in the U.S., you know, given like our, just like the whole model minority myth, right, right. you know, it's not like the most... Uh, celebrated for us either yeah comparatively like to doctors or lawyers etc yeah um I think the thing is she's known that food has always been my love from day one Mm. and she's done everything she could have done to veer me away from it Mm. only for me to come back to it wow um and now she has to just understand that that has always been around Mm. and it may not be what she ideally wanted for her her children you know moving to America etc but it is a very tangible and real kind of love that does connect me to family. Right. Um, because, you know, as like diasporic, like in the privilege that comes from, you know, being able, the luxury of leaving as a diasporic in a lot of ways. I mean, not the luxury of leaving because there's a lot of different reasons people leave. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I'm going to speak in my perspective in terms of like, I grew up in LA, therefore I have a lot of privilege, you know, being from, I don't know, I guess from Los Angeles. Um, and having that like duality, I guess, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really, I feel really complicated about the diasporic identity generally, but. <laughs> yeah, thinking, there's oh. a lot, there's a lot of nuance there. And I, I appreciate you speaking to your lived experience, you know, and honoring that. So. Yeah. Did you start, um, because you have been working in kitchens, like in restaurants out here, you know, in the West for a while now. And was it kind of the start, the, you know, um, the inception of Beery BB that led you to that? Or were you already working in kitchens prior? Um, I was kind of dipping my toes into like cafe work um, mm-hmm. when I was in Berlin. But I think the kitchen line work happened more after Beery BB. Okay. Um, just because I wanted to get better at the craft. I didn't go to culinary school. Um, I just wanted to get faster and learn knife skills in a setting where I was also getting paid um, mm-hmm. and growing. So it just made sense to get into kitchens if Beery BB was going to be like my focus point for my life or rather for the next few years. Who knows what Beery BB is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am really thankful for the kitchens I've worked at for, you know, showing me great ways to store things or Mm -hmm. you know understanding that some things obviously can't 
drip, uh, drop below a certain temperature because then they're unsafe or just general cleaning rules, um, making sure your workstation's always clean, period. Like no excuses, you know, washing your dishes immediately. Um, just good practices that I feel um, really, really helpful with my current route with theory degree. So it's been good. Sorry, my head's like still stuck in this diasporic. Like I'm having this identity crisis of like- Yeah, we can go back there. Yeah, we, we can talk about that. I'm still kind of like having a moment about like- There's a lot there. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i feel like in you, Berlin, yeah that's what yeah I'm, I'm still thinking about your mom you know and just like i guess when you were talking i was seeing this kind of like seesaw kind of motion happening because so much of your craft and like creating food and you know offering this is paying homage to your ancestry and lineage mm -hmm. and you know you're also combining it with growing up in LA and you know like adding vegan options like just infusing like everything that's made you who you are and how your mom's expectations like I guess it makes me wonder what your mom's dreams were and you know how that sort of layers over your own dreams or just these expectations she has of you oh for sure yeah I feel like and she's also loved kitchens I think what I find really interesting about it all is she's worked in kitchens before and she's worked in like hospital kitchens mm. um, it's been a huge part of my life as well and food through her so I think she's more of like oh my god like wrong side of the hospital like I should have got her more involved and in like being around doctors less around chefs or something this like weird guilt that she feels in terms of like they haven't produced another doctor or something um, mm. but it's okay I mean we love variety you know you were talking yeah. about Berlin just yeah so that that was really trippy to start an Indian food pop-up in Berlin and then engaging with that in the sense of like I am not like I wasn't born in India you know like I was born in fucking California and I need to check myself there. And like, I never said anything. I, I also had these crazy debates just generally about authenticity and like the label of authentic in front of a lot of food. When in reality, like what is authentic? Can anything be labeled as such? Like it's all pretty much a creation of your own. And therefore like I think homemade versus authentic is a way better um, descriptor for a lot of food I don't know it's mm. authenticity in cooking is such a strange concept for me to think about but yeah it's important to engage with the fact that especially if you're born in the western world like it's through your own sieve of like California for me like my Californianness within mm. my Heather body you know parents plus me it's just it's just basically just a mix of my own and I think everybody is kind of a mix of their own beautiful elements and yeah. yeah it's interesting too because it's like you're not um you know no one in india who's selling indian food is calling it authentic you know right. South indian food or Maharashtrian food or whatever and so when you bring those flavors to the west i guess it's trying to pay homage to that somehow but at the end of the day i think it's still authentic to you it's still authentic to your family background and it is like that gharka khana like mm -hmm. you know gharelu is kind of like the term that we use where it's like a recipe that's been uh, passed down like through tradition 
through, you know, just like words and also just like, you know, engaging with the food growing up and being passed on, like you said, from your grandfather, um, from your mother. And so, yeah, I do. I mean, I like homemade, you know. Homemade feels good. Yeah. Homemade feels cozy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it encompasses the multiple homes that you have. Totally. Diaspora kid. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> authentic homemade food. Not authentic homemade. <laughs> um, what do you feel like something, like, do you feel like you've noticed patterns within, like, kitchens in the West? And, like, I don't know, what are some things that you would like to see change within the food industry? Um, I don't know if my alarm is going to be. Can you repeat that question? Yeah, um, you know, you've talked about like working in kitchens in Berlin as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And out here as well, like, have you picked up on any certain patterns that you've seen in kitchens in the West? And if there's anything that you would like to see change in the service, food services. Absolutely, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So much actually, but I'm working a really lovely kitchen right now, which I feel like encompasses a lot of, um qualities that I really look up to mm-hmm. um and I'm inspired by so I'm gonna start with that but um in the past I have seen just you know and still even now super male-dominated kitchens um and that energy of like this is my craft like you have to earn it or like oh you want to learn how to do this mm, you're gonna have to wait or you didn't go to culinary school like a lot of mm-hmm. this weird hierarchy um, hierarchy and yelling uh, a lot of weird yelling Mm. which I was just like we're making something of nourishment and we're not nourished like yeah how is that okay yeah um and the energy has just been off a lot of egos um a lot of egos no spaces to even have your own food I mean I think like it's baffling to me how some kitchens just don't have a separate space for their employees to enjoy the food that they've made Mm. you have to go outside in an alley or next to a fucking dumpster like mind my language but come on like how does this make any sense? Um, take care of your people. So mainly that, that has been an issue of like, uh, expecting you to do so much and to give so much energy and to bring that fire mm-hmm. when your fire is not being fanned. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you're not given that respect and you're made to feel like you're easily replaceable. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, cool. Bye. Anytime you speak up about like, say like coronavirus or, or like sick time, things like this. I've seen kitchens really fuck up there where they hold sick time from people. And then when it come, when you stand up to them, they're like, mm, see ya. And you're like, wow, I did not foresee this. Or like, I gave you so much of my energy. Mm-hmm. And uh, energy is so valuable. So mm-hmm. yeah, also shorter hours in kitchens makes a difference. Like right now I'm working like seven hour shifts, I want to say seven, 7.5 versus I used to work like sometimes even 12 hour days for why. Um, I really think that makes a difference hiring more people. Right. If you are so replaceable, then it shouldn't be that you're replaceable. It should be just more that there's an environment, a healthy environment that's fostered and where that, like that workload is shared. Mm -hmm. So you don't become replaceable, you become an asset and, you know, it becomes like this really symbiotic relationship in the kitchen. Do you notice a difference in pace when you're in these kind of work environments versus when you're preparing food for BRBB? Yes. 
and what is that like? Um, when I'm preparing food for Beery BB, I mean, I'm usually prepping with friends. Um, so it's a lot more relaxed. Yes, we're getting it done, but we're not. We're having a nice time. It feels like two aunties cutting potatoes. You know what I mean? Um, never feels too hectic. It has its moments like the onions don't stop, you know, but <laughs> it's the worst of my troubles. Um, and there's no, like, yes, there's a deadline in time of like when we have to get things done, but it's not like I have to do as much. Like, for example, in the kitchen that I work at, there's like 20 dishes to 30 dishes that we make. So it's a lot of prep. There's a lot to do, but it's never hectic. Like, there's always tasks to do, but you always have someone to do it with. So like you have to do basil and someone's like, I'll pick basil with you and we'll chat. I'm like, cool. Kind of reminds me of prep, like my current kitchen that I'm at right now. It kind of does feel like prepping for beer ABB because we're all in it together. And it is like the symbiosis, as you mentioned, like it, it doesn't feel forced mm. and it also just doesn't feel rough. Like, even though we have like some masculine, like super mask leaders that are like such chefs, like chef head, you know? they still make it accessible and they're still like, Hey, let me teach you how to do this real quick. You got this. It'll just take time. There's still that encouragement. Like you can mm-hmm. still be a coach and still be a real sweet coach. So mm-hmm. I'm about the sweet coaches of the world that aren't just gatekeeping uh, skills and not uh, feeling like they're so high above because they had the money for culinary school or, you know, this, this ego has been, I think deteriorating uh, in the culinary yeah. scene, especially with these conversations like we're having um, mm. alongside other conversations that a lot of like femmes and non-binary folks are having within food as well. Like I work with so many, actually the, the job I'm at right now, I only work with uh, POC chefs. The answer Aww. to only POCs. It feels a bit like a utopia, but um, yeah. we all come from traumatized kitchens for the most part mm-hmm. or have been yelled out a few times by like someone white that's on a power trip in the kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we all understand what we don't want and uh, mm-hmm. that we're all there to just help each other out. So it's been yeah. really good. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And I'm glad you're there. Yeah, I'm so mm-hmm. happy about it. <laughs> Something that is coming up is just like how, um, like your heritage, like your desi heritage, and then just making like Indian food in general. Um, what that experience has been like with just what I've noticed is aspects of um, Indian spirituality or wellness, you know, being so prominent. Like, what does that perspective of it feel like for you and? Um, what kind of experiences have you had that can speak to that? I haven't had any like golden milk requests yet. So I'm, um, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I should, like count my blessings or, or what yet. Um, but also I, you know, I haven't really been faced with any, like, um, any of those, like, uh, I don't know how to describe this, the character types, I guess, that like come yeah. up and ask about like the golden milk or like, Oh, like I've been to India, you know, like I, um, yeah, yeah, I feel like I also feel like because I, you usually from like the couple of pop-ups that I've attended of yours, you always have like one baseline, like super traditional dish. And then you'll have like your interesting, like fusion dishes. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, even just noticing the types of people that come up, they're just drawn to like the smell and they're like, oh, what is this? Like, you know, the, the pop-up that we were at last weekend, it was like, <laughs> it was such an interesting venue. Like it was like a mishmash of like LA hipsters and punks. Yeah. And they like, <laughs> I think they were all just really surprised in a really lovely way that there was like mm-hmm. really like, amazing food being you know being sold at this nondescript well not nondescript but at this venue that would typically just have like beer just beer yeah just beer just beer maybe chips yeah 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 so yeah yeah I feel like the people that just like seeing their faces after they have your food is it, it's very like gratifying like I've given you something new you know and you get to like take this experience home with you and remember it and like hopefully come back for more I love when people are like <laughs> all the expressions <laughs> all the expressions and just being like are you serious like it's like really moment with their eyes and like mm-hmm. I feel like it's one of those like you've nailed it you know yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but I might come off a little intense because I'm like not like a I feel like it's really interesting, like the images that like are um, out there of like South Asian femmes, I guess. Like in the mainstream media, it's like all very like, you know, meditative and like peace and like um long flowy hair and like, you know, turmeric and mangoes and I don't think my branding or anything, I'm, I don't feel like I'm really promoting that. Like I'm not, yeah. I've never felt at home in that either being like super non-binary, like my whole fucking life. And always told that I'm a motorcycle mama and feeling kind of actually um, almost strangled by these types of images, right. Of like, I have to have like this like long flowy hair or just be a really clean aesthetic it girl <laughs> it yeah it girl, girl slash like model like um you know palpable for the European palette you know what I mean so yeah I definitely can relate to that as well just kind of trying to navigate now where I want to go with the Ayurvedic practice since graduating Saturday because mm-hmm. I I too feel so out of that sort of sphere of you know like what's visible yeah yeah the visibility of like what a south asian femme is supposed to look like and not only look like but present as yeah or like be like or promote like it's interesting though yeah it's it's very interesting and i think it's rooted in that like uh that idea of like oh it's exotic and you know and obviously the aspect of spirituality is so tied to it and i think you can you're obviously spiritual with your food when you're connecting it to your actual ancestry you know Mm -hmm. and like conversing with like your spirit guides and um, your ancestors when creating that but it doesn't necessarily have to be part of the like um it doesn't have to be something that people pay to. I don't want to commodify it (laughs) yeah like and I don't want to make it about like I know that's a huge moneymaker, spirituality and, quote, wellness as a concept in mm-hmm. this strange society. Yeah. Um, I've been reading a lot of Freya Roshin's work, Who is Wellness For?, which has been really, really lovely. It's, like, very, very informative and researched. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, yeah, I think yeah. I was also like talking to someone. Um, well, I was just telling them that I graduated. So that's why I had like my my like smooth brain two days of just straight up watching pose like do your thing and that feels good I love smooth brain activity yeah but also like it felt so good to engage in that like pose is just a very good like mental reset I feel like um but yeah it was like so they were like oh so you know how is that process like you learned about like sound baths and like chakra healing and stuff like that and I was like oh like don't insult me like it was someone asked that yeah but like but like that's what that's their idea of what it is and I'm just like no like we had to we had classes on like pathology and like internal medicine and anatomy and herbs and like herbology (laughs) and like literal literally learning about like the dosages you know and it's not just it's not like just how's your your solar plexus today yeah so yeah kind of uh you know, bringing, bringing about new narratives um, amidst, like, the South Asian identity is really important, I think, and informs, like, all of our work, you know, um, everyone that's, especially those that are, like, in our circles and our close circles, and yeah, yeah, I think it's really important to change that image, because, or just add more, like, we don't have to, like, yeah, we don't have to change we just it. Yeah, there's so much variety, and, like, yeah whose gaze is that image for you know like that image is centered around like a white man going into India and like right having his exotic fantasy fulfilled yeah or a brown man coming to the states and taking advantage of of the background and like commodifying it you know to make a profit and men really ruin the world so you're not wrong yeah um there are some there's a question that I think Supreet had listed. How do you feel? Do you feel like you eat with your hands a lot when you're at home? Uh, I love eating with my hands. And mm-hmm. I think like there's a lot of times I I don't eat with my hands because I like also love chopsticks. I love chopsticks too. Um I love chopsticks, but yeah, I, I feel like the hands just really, really well, first off, it like, you know, connects as you know our bit at like the all the elements right mm-hmm. your fingertips mm-hmm. and then like as you're eating it too like it's your own um, um <laughs> it's your own uh bites and stuff so it's all really sorry one moment why are you sorry i'm just speaking out just give me one moment i'm being a girl um <laughs> yeah okay. i like it also because like even on it connects you to the food before it even reaches your mouth. And scientifically, like it basically your gut starts preparing to process it. And like, it starts moving into digestion before it even enters your mouth. Cause it's like feeling the food through your fingertips. Mm -hmm. And also deciding how much of what goes into your bite. It's like so fucking personal um versus like with a fork it's like you're like okay great but I'm still I'm it's me and a piece of metal or you know silver whatever I'm eating out eating with versus just me you know Mm -hmm. Um, and also yeah just that's just the way the family and the homies do it like I would eat with my hands all the time people didn't stare at me at the (laughs) the I kind of do eat with my hands all the time Actually, I'm thinking yeah. I've eaten today. I haven't used any utensils today. Nice. So I have been eating with my hands today. <laughs> fully. Yeah. 
Yeah. I love it. <laughs> what I also think about with eating with other people, like how that emotionally sinks you to those people because you're putting the same thing in your body and just, you know, that kind of like shared process of going through that experience. And yeah, um, with you mentioning the potlucks, like how does that process itself feel fulfilling for you? And do you feel like that's changed these past two years, you know, just going through less social interaction, like isolation? And if you had to quarantine at any point, like what did that difference feel like for you? Definitely less potlucks. Um, pandemic definitely changed the nature of that. Like, I don't think I've had a potluck in LA yet. Um, and when I was, yeah, when it was like prime pandemic, I, I did have a house that I lived in with five other folks, but that was also beautiful because we had the potlucks. Like oh. I still, mm-hmm. I still felt so good with our dinners, you know, and uh, we all cared about what um, each person brought to the table. So. Um, I feel a lot of ginger and garlic has been mentioned yeah totally what spice or plant do you feel most connected to currently currently oh this is exciting Um, I have a few things I'm pretty connected to right now definitely passion fruit I think I eat passion fruit every day Mm, every day in some form whether it's the just the fruit or passion fruit jam or passion fruit tea Mm -hmm. um when it comes to like my own garden what i'm picking a lot of right now is mint Mm -hmm. um great summertime yeah Um, pomegranate's coming in real nice but the birds are getting to it before i can so not yet i saw a really like like abundant tree of pomegranate driving over and I was like oh, I want to stop by yeah, just get one <laughs> yeah. like one um so yeah I'd definitely say passion fruit and mint right now are like mm. really huge for me um mm. I have been foraging a lot lately which has been cute just being about um about the town and a bunch of that's what I love about Los Angeles as well there's so many parks to just find beautiful um, native species at um, elderberry is coming out a lot. I haven't really cooked it down yet, but I've still been picking them and just kind of investigating. Oh my God. Um, I didn't know we had elderberry. We have elder elderberry all over. There's some in Malibu, um, okay. a lot in Malibu. Mm. Um, there's some in Pasadena on this okay. like Arroyo, Lower Arroyo Seca Walk is something that I really recommend doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going on foraging hike tomorrow night, so mm. I think I'm going to work with cactus flower tomorrow i think that's mm-hmm. what they're talking about um and yeah a lot of not metal because you can't pick metal there's, there's a lot of fennel mugwort i've been picking too yeah yeah there is a lot of really good fennel yeah lots of flavor fennel. fennel flowers are beautiful too to mm-hmm. work with and like salads and just to, to really like uh, i also just really love bringing gonna just bring it to beer baby in a second this foraging i love just finding local plants mm-hmm. to really make this beautiful artistic plate you know um also my mom has nasturtium like these like really beautiful edible flowers that are growing in her backyard mm-hmm. and being able to work with these like really beautiful like um peachy colored flowers that are just like cut from my family garden is mm-hmm. i feel like moving back here and being able to do that and using the mint from the garden the karyapak and all of that Mm. um it changed a lot for me I think like uh 
in Berlin, I was using a lot of local ingredients as well and like going to a lot of Turkish markets um, and had a lot of deals with like market sellers there, which was my favorite part, I think, of Berlin was that like, hey. Um, <laughs> but here it's like having that abundance of like Californian land, which yes, we are facing, we are always in a drought. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, despite the drought, we still have these really stunning citrus. And, mm-hmm. you know, despite the dryness, there's still this beautiful, like, and I will still grow yeah. somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely like a lot of spirituality tied to the land as well. I mean, like mugwort and sage growing in abundance. And yeah. then even like, um, surprisingly, it's, it does foster a good environment for passion flower. Yeah. And so I'd love to see you make a little I smoke make blend. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love that. Mm. Smoke blend. <laughs> That'd be really, yeah, really good for anxiety in the mind yes. and the dream state. I love mm-hmm. the dream story. Must nurture it always. Always. What is something that you're dreaming of in terms of the expansion of Beery BB and how do you see it taking shape in the coming years? Um, I have no idea in the coming years. Um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of living day by day with it, but I have a lot of beautiful events coming up in September. Um they're kind of in the works. Do one in New York. I know. I want to do one in New York. I think that will come with time, probably late fall, winter. Mm-hmm. We'll talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I have a more a new format actually. But I am doing a big double whammy pop up at Brain Dead on Fairfax and Melrose coming up mid September, which is a really big moment for Beery BB um, in terms of like showcasing new menu items going toe-to-toe with some some folks going you know (laughs) just getting my name out there uh there's more than just one type of indian uh food in los angeles and i there's so many beautiful indian chefs that i believe beyond me and beyond you know um like high feast culinary excursions um there's definitely more uh indian food around that i'm excited to also taste myself but um i'm just happy to be like just a just one of the one of the stars in the sky you know what i mean like there's so many of us out there and i also am here to like help elevate others too like if anyone has if if i meet a budding chef or someone who's interested in starting a pop-up or you know loves making dosa i'm like mm-hmm. let's go like let me make help you make these connections let me share my resources i believe in sharing resources always i'm not bigger than anybody Yes, I've been doing it for a few years, but if I can help somebody out, then let's go. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. So, um, and then, yeah, the work. So I am in the works of also throwing a more educational workshop type deal. Yeah. Um, which is, I want to keep a little hush hush about it, but it's more of like a cooking class format. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to kind of hop into that little educator hat in that sense and trying to show people how to make like a really good cut doll, you know, mm-hmm. the basic staples that like make our food um so yeah versatile and it's delicious and healthy and Mm. real soul food so I'm really excited to kind of veer into different formats like educating too wow there was so much life in that response and so much passion and I'm so glad you got to share that with us thanks and the world that you feed us feed us such yummy foods oh yeah that's what I'm here for Put me on the <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts? Any closing thoughts? Um, you want to share? Oh man, 
yeah, if you got a dream, you just have to believe in yourself <laughs> and also like work hard because that shit is hard to get into fruition. But I think patience. Capricorn motto. Capricorn motto, just keep climbing, baby. And also like if you want, if your heart's in it, it's gonna work out. Yeah. I think like there if your dream cannot exist without love, and if you got the love, you will be fine. And uh the journey is long, but it's only with yourself. So there's no point in comparison or yeah. Um yeah, your journey is yours. And if you have your heart in the right place, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you all for joining us today and listening to our episode. Um, Brenda, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, I feel like a theme that's been coming up for me a lot is patience and just thinking about like the patience that is required even when cooking the food from our heritage and, and applying that also to like life in general, just taking that time and tenderness love care and patience to our own lives and you know just sticking through that process because in the end it will like something beautiful will will come up and uh, yeah I'm really excited and I'm excited to see what blossoms for you in the future I feel like a lot of seeds have been planted and I'm just really grateful to have been able to spend so much time with you as well um yeah (laughs) I'm honored truly I'm honored to know you both it's yeah I'm here with y'all and I'm really stoked that I get to know you folks (laughs) in this lifetime so thank you for seeing me and for this interview and for believing in me so always 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 Well, it's been lovely chatting and uh, yeah, we're going to sign off now, but thanks for listening, everyone.